And welcome once again to another edition of A Plain Answer here at Redeemer Broadcasting. I'm Dan Elmendorf. On the phone line with us today is the Reverend Dwayne Garner, Senior Pastor of Christ Church in Cary, North Carolina. And Pastor Dwayne, it's an honor to have you on with us. Thank you so much for having me, Dan. Our listeners are familiar with you if they tune in 9 o'clock at night to Proclamation, because you are one of the regular speakers that we carry on the air. And we've received some nice letters from listeners regarding your sermons. And so today I want to talk about um, what's on your mind, basically. You've preached some recent sermons. I think one of the more recent ones is uh, The Seed and the Soils. Prior to that, True Strength. And then, of course, Resurrection and the New Creation. There's others. Maybe if you... You know, if you can kind of imagine yourself speaking to someone out there today on the radio, something that would be particularly helpful for them to hear, and uh, we could talk about that. So maybe you could take it away. Thank you, Dan. It's such an honor to be a part of your broadcasting family of speakers. It is uh, a real a real delight to know that it's uh, helpful to folks and that they're benefiting from it. it so it's it's a great honor. One thing that we're doing after uh, going through a series of topical sermons on what we believe, we started the the year with some some topical sermons. My assistant pastor and I uh, were taking turns on that. We're getting back into Matthew's gospel, which we had spent a lot of time in last year and had taken a break. So digging digging back in, jumping back into chapter twelve, always getting an opportunity to spend time with Jesus, with the teaching of Jesus, is so refreshing to see the fortitude and the, the holy confidence of the Lord Jesus as he deals with the opponents, the scribes, the Pharisees, uh, people who had all sorts of agendas for Jesus and who they thought he ought to be. To watch him deal with their criticisms is is refreshing in an age where we can no longer assume a kind of cultural Christianity where we're dealing with yeah. all kinds of opposition all the time, as you're well familiar with, that it feels like we're, uh, we're assailed from, from every side. Right. And to uh, see that strength of Jesus is something, as I jump back into Matthew, it's on my mind all the time, and, uh, and loving, loving to see this particular facet of his ministry. Yeah, and sometimes when people launch something at you, uh, right away, walls go up, and I I want to get to the point where the walls don't go up, where I don't respond emotionally. And Jesus, of course, is our perfect example. Uh, he knows when to say very tough things, but at no point does he hate his opponent. No, no, he doesn't. He doesn't hate them, but he certainly doesn't. Um, he doesn't respond in a way that is passive or right. reactive to right. their agenda because he he is obedient to his father um we we read um that over and over and over the the father expresses his pleasure his delight in the work of his son mm. and then in matthew 12 uh matthew quotes isaiah 6 so even before Jesus was incarnate, the Father is expressing in Isaiah 6, my servant whom I have chosen, my beloved in whom my soul is well pleased. I will put my spirit on him. So the Father is delighting in the Son even before the incarnation, and that 
and that everything that Jesus does is pleasing to the Father in the way he deals with these critics, so we can be confident in knowing that if we imitate the Lord Jesus, the Father's going to be uh, well-pleased with us as well. Yeah. And the other part of that also is that um, we don't think of Jesus as a model of masculinity or a model of strength, typically. I think typically we have this very soft, passive idea of who <laughs> Jesus was. But Jesus was the man. Jesus, if, <laughs> if, uh, if, if there was any masculine, any, any strength anywhere in the world, obviously, it is in Christ. It is in, it is in him, and he is the model of strength. Yeah, he really is. Um, sometimes his reactions are, um, they kind of set you back a little bit. Um, the um, chasing of the money changers out of the temple. What do you think of that passage? <laughs> oh, boy. Well, he, it's out of zeal for his father's house that he does yes. it. He um, is grieved at the way his uh, father's house is being um treated not simply that there are you know people changing money and selling sacrifices there but that the entire attitude toward the temple was such that it it had become sort of like this nationalist symbol that as long as the temple's standing god is happy with us jesus comes to disabuse them of that error no this temple is coming down within this generation and all of this is going to be replaced by something new which is the new temple the church the bride uh, of Christ. So um that that's him enacting in a small way the the imminent judgment that's coming in the temple. He interrupts the temple worship for just a few minutes when he does that, but that's just a appetizer of the wrath of God that's coming against that temple in 70 AD. Yeah. Yeah, so true. Well, today we're talking with Pastor Dwayne Garner and he pastors Christ Church in Cary, North Carolina. I tried to find you online, and I, I did a little search on your address, and it looks like you're meeting in a like a um, a rented area. Can you describe that? Sure. We are in a strip mall right next to the DMV in our town, a uh, suburb of Raleigh, North Carolina. We're in Cary, North Carolina. Okay. We own property. We're working on building a new building. Oh, neat. Um, but the problem is, is that every time we, uh, you know, get, get um, moving on it, our congregation continues to expand. So our, our building plans continue to expand. <laughs> we, uh, we first thought we could build a humble little chapel, and then the Lord has sent us more and more people. And now we have to find places to put them. So um, right now, the Lord has us in a strip mall, and we're content, though, uh, praying for that day when we can uh, break ground on our new building. Well, I guess you could say that's a nice problem to have um, when Lord keeps sending people in. That's a that's a wonderful thing. It is. It is wonderful. It's also humbling um, to to think that the Lord would give us the responsibility for the shepherding of these souls. Yeah, uh, it's a uh, it's it's a uh, sobering uh, challenge to do that. Definitely. Now, what about your most recent sermon, um, the seed and the soils? What was that one about? Well, we're marching through Matthew's Gospel, and so in Matthew chapter 13, Jesus begins speaking in parables. If you look at the major movements or the major uh, divisions of the Lord's teaching in the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus is living out the history of Israel, except he's doing it as a 
faithful son. He's doing it as the obedient son, mm-hmm. well-pleasing to the Father. So in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus is a new Moses, uh, presenting a new, um, uh, giving God's law from a new Mount Sinai. And then, and then he's like, immediately following that, Jesus is like a new Joshua, sending out his um, men to conquer the land again, to mm. now conquer the land with the gospel. And then, and then as we turn to um, the middle of Matthew's gospel in, in chapter 13, Jesus is like a new Solomon. Solomon spoke in Proverbs. Mm. Solomon spoke in these dark sayings, in, these, in this kingly wisdom. And now Jesus is the greater Solomon, and he's going to speak in parables. And the first parable he gives us in Matthew 13 is this famous parable of the sower and the seeds and the various soils. Mm-hmm. That's neat. Um, as you labor among God's people and you go on, go on, go about, um, go out shopping, whatever, getting groceries, whatever. Um, do you, do you, um, how do you think about it? Do, do you see it as, uh, this is an area where, where, uh, it's getting worse and worse, and and Satan's winning. Or do you see it as an area that potentially can be Christendom? Maybe not large, maybe smaller, maybe a medium size. How do you see it? I, as far as the potential for the growth of the kingdom in my local area or in the American society, well, or, well, um, kind of, kind of both, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Yeah, I'll I'll say this. Uh, to to attempt to answer that, I am seeing an incredible revival among young people, ah. especially young men, uh, late eighteen, early twenties. There is a movement of God's Holy Spirit in this age group. I see uh, young men who might have been raised in church but never took it seriously, and they've gone and um, tried the world out and and has found it wanting, and That's they right. return to the Lord with a deeper uh, passion for holiness and righteousness and a hunger for his word, a thirst for the things of God. And so we are, we are blessed to have uh, a, 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 just an influx of, of young people. And, of course, my children also know um, young people who are, there's something going on. There is, there's something yes. in the air. <laughs> Obviously, yes. the, the Spirit is working. So while I'm... Yes. More and more frustrated, and, and you kind of, it's hard not to despair when you look at certain um, uh, sectors of our society where you think people have just embraced secularism, they've rejected God, they're full-blown atheists, they're um, pursuing every perversion and addiction in the world. Uh, going back to the parable of the sowers and the, uh, the sower and the soils, you, you think, oh boy, they're the, they're the hard, rocky soil. They're the soil where the thorns are choking out any potential. But then uh, I'm so encouraged that there is still this rich, well-fertilized, well-prepared <laughs> soil as these, as these young people are seeing how vapid and ephemeral and transitory all of this this garbage is in our culture, and now they're looking for the truth, and they're finding it in Jesus and finding it in God's Word. It's invigorating. So, hmm. um, but that's my local. That's very anecdotal. That's just my experience. But that's what I'm. <laughs> that's what I'm finding in my neck of the woods. Well, praise the Lord. That's that's very encouraging. Uh, this parable of the sower. It's found in Matthew's Gospel. Um, tell us a little more about this. It, 
there there is resistance, isn't there? As as the seed is sown, uh, the enemy is there, isn't he? Yes. Well, uh, obviously, the parable is the sower goes out to uh, sow the field. He broadcasts the seed all over the field, <laughs> and some of it falls on the pathway where birds uh, eat it and run away with it. Uh, some of it falls on shallow soils, rocky soil, where it, the plants spring up, but then the sun comes out and they wither away. Some takes root, but it grows up and then is choked by thorns, and then finally some bears fruit. Um, a great amount bears fruit, some 30-fold, some 60, some 100-fold. Um, so yes, there there is the the wicked one, and when Jesus unpacks the parable and he explains it for mm-hmm. his disciples, he says um, there, there's the wicked one who comes and snatches away what was sown in the heart, like the um, like the birds snatched away the seed. And it, it seems to me that every time God's Word is read, taught, proclaimed, quoted, that potential is always there. The wicked one is always present to snatch it away. To distract you from it. Why is it so hard to listen to sermons? Why is it so hard to focus your attention when you're reading the Bible? Why yeah. does your mind wander all over the place? Why is it so hard to listen to good to good teaching? Well, it's because we have an opponent who's trying to snatch it away yeah. every single time we're exposed to it. Now, later on, you didn't cover this yet, I guess, in your sermon, but it was uh, it, it then segues into the parable of the wheat and the tares. Can you talk to us about that a little bit? Sure. Well, that's uh, that's I'm going to tackle that next, and yeah. I'm just scratching the surface in in studying that. Yeah, so right. so often I come to the scriptures with assumptions of what I think it's saying, but then in the course of my study, I I do a you know a 360 or a 180 and think, oh, wow. I got to I got to re I got to reconsider this. So the sower um, sows good seed in his field, but while the men sleep, the enemy comes and sows tares, Mm. weeds in the field. So there's an enemy, again, who every time that um, we're trying to sow good seed or the Lord sows good seed, we have an opponent. And that's, um, you can't read the Psalms without being constantly reminded that we (laughs) are in a conflict. We have enemies. And if you don't have enemies, you're not doing it right. I mean, you're not being opposed. You're you're not, there's something wrong. The Lord Jesus himself had enemies. Um, con- consistently, he was opposed for um, his his righteousness. So, uh, so that's one thing that I'm going to um, focus in on when we get to that parable is just the the ever present reality of our of our yeah. enemy. Yeah, and and someone once said, I don't know if it's right. I think it is that uh, this this remains a wheat field with these tares. It doesn't become totally taken over by tares and and designated a tear field but it's still a wheat field isn't it that's very good yes um, yeah and, and uh, there is a there's still a harvest there's a harvest <laughs> at the end um the uh the wheat is gathered and that's that's a blessing and the the weeds the tares are bundled up and burned yeah, yeah. um so I always want to read all of this stuff in the immediate context. What is coming for Israel? What is what is in the very near future? In the very near future, there is a good crop in Israel. A lot of disciples, a lot of people yes. um, uh, believing the gospel. And on the day of Pentecost, thousands of people um, trust in Jesus. But there are those weeds that are not going to uh, be fruitful, and the judgment day is coming. The day yeah. of the Lord is coming. Yeah, and it's kind of interesting, too, the, the grace of God is seen where 
the servants say, well, why don't we just gather them up? And he said, no, no, no. We don't want you to hurt the wheat as you try to get at those tares because you can uproot them yeah. too. So there's a real right. graciousness there of God, I think. Absolutely. That gentleness that Isaiah, again, speaks about um, with regard to the coming Messiah, that he's not going to damage the bruised reed or or stamp out the smoking flax, pinch out the flax, you know, the smoking. And he's, Jesus, while bold, while he doesn't hesitate to turn over the tables of the money changers, Jesus is not like a wild boar in the vineyard. Jesus is not like a, a bull in a china shop. He's very measured and careful and mm. under discipline. Um, and using great self-control as he does this. And so even that that's the demonstration of the uh, control and the patience and the long-suffering of God that he allows mm-hmm. um, his, his enemy to even breathe, to even exist, yeah. that it's the grace of God that, um, that there is even life to be had. When I was a kid, um, somebody gave me a, a little tie tack, and in the middle of the tie tack was a single mustard seed, little tiny thing. And uh, it was a good lesson because um, that's mentioned here later on in, in Matthew 13, too. About, can you tell us about the mustard seed? Well, um, it, it's interesting that Jesus uses agricultural or botanical uh, imagery in his parables, not because everyone was just, you know, poor farmers, and that's all they could understand. Uh, It's because of uh, the fact that this is the best example of how the kingdom, these are all kingdom of kingdom parables. The kingdom of heaven is like this, the kingdom of heaven. So the kingdom of heaven is like things that grow from, from, from tiny origins, (laughs) (laughs) from, from little, little seeds, gradually becoming massive, uh, trees and fields that that bear fruit, which indicates that most things that happen overnight, most things that happen suddenly, are not good. Um, yeah. I can think of a lot of things that tornado could come on you, uh, earthquake, a volcano could erupt instantly. Right, all of the things that that we see around us in creation that happen suddenly tend not to be good things. But the the good things come slowly. The good things require patience and hope and work every day to weed mm-hmm. and water and fertilize and then and then one day after a long period of waiting and patient labor you get to enjoy the fruits and so the kingdom of heaven is like this it's like a seed that grows small it's just Jesus and then it's just 12 disciples and then it's you know 70 and then it's 3000 and then it's 5000 and then you know through the centuries um, we're we're growing this big tree that all the birds of the air come and nest in its branches. This is a tree that gives shade and healing to the nations. Mm. Um, this is a this is a tree that um, is good for food. You know, this is a tree that mm. uh, provides nourishment and rest and healing and and keeps on growing. So, yeah, I, I I love that about these these parables because they remind us of of how the kingdom grows not overnight. You can be very discouraged if you want tomatoes today and you go plant a tomato plant this <laughs> afternoon. You're not going to have tomatoes for supper tonight. But you may have some in several months or several weeks. You know, you, you'll yeah. be patient. Yeah, good point. And um, I, won't, I won't spring any more on you except maybe the well, oh, maybe, yeah. maybe this one, maybe <laughs> this one. Um, okay. the, the leaven. Uh, Explain that, the leaven. 
I wish uh, I wish I could do this more articulately, but I think, and and I would I would have to confirm this, but uh, somebody else. So I'll just read it. The kingdom of heaven is like leaven, which a woman took and hid in three measures of meal till it was all leavened. And the three measures of meal, uh, I'd have to confirm this, but I think Sarah and Abraham, when when um, Abraham is visited by angels, he tells Sarah to make a huge mess of, of bread, and she takes <laughs> fine, refined flour, and she makes all kinds of bread, and he kills a calf, so you're, you're hosting the servants of Yahweh, and uh, you make more bread than any man could eat. I mean, three men can't eat a cow in one sitting, you know, um, but uh, she, she takes this and she spreads this huge feast. Uh, so I'm wondering if, and, and I'm thinking out loud here, that uh, there there must be some reference to the abundance of the kingdom, the uh, hospitality of the kingdom, but at the same time, obviously, le- uh, leaven is um, is this other agent that works slowly, and then you you can't have a loaf of bread that's half leavened, right? It, yes. it, the leaven works its way all exactly. the loaf, just as the leaven works itself all the way throughout the whole world in this abundance everything about <laughs> god's grace is is abundant jesus when he makes wine for the wedding um in cana he doesn't just you know give a, like a, a little little bottle he makes what 60 gallons of, <laughs> of wine if i'm remembering correctly it's a lot. When jesus makes uh feeds people bread and fish um it's we're not just you know just barely getting by we don't just get a cracker and a little scoop of tuna salad um it's i mean there's so much that they collect the leftovers in right. baskets. That's the abundance of the kingdom <laughs> that Jesus is bringing. So it's beautiful. There's there's something there. There's something about that that I'm gonna. Uh, yeah. When we get to it on Sunday morning, that I'll be I'll be chasing down. We'll be uh, keeping an eye out for that. <laughs> yeah. Hey, we we've got maybe two minutes left. Um, if you were to uh, speak to people today uh, over the air here, you are certainly, um, and they're discouraged. You know, they 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 feel like, hey, our leaders aren't listening to us. It's hopeless. I, mm-hmm. I'm just discouraged. Or, or my my. That's great that th- this church is doing well and carry, but I'm in a church that's that's a real dud. And you know, people get discouraged mm-hmm. sometimes. A- any kind of s- Simple encouragement. Let's say you're doing a pastoral visit today mm-hmm. to someone who uh, somehow they've kind of gotten down. They're a hard worker, but they've gotten a little bit down because they keep keep getting hammered, as it were. Maybe mm. I'm more sensitive to that, being from New York State. <laughs> mm. Yeah. No. Maybe you could talk to as that person. As we say in the South, yeah, uh, as we say in the South, bless your heart. I feel yeah. really <laughs> feel bad for uh uh, honestly, and I'm not being—I'm not joking about it. Y'all are working in very tough soil. I mean, it's—it's—it's it's, right. it's hard. And I have friends um, in New England and friends in New York State who right. are, are. It's a—it's a tough—it's a tough go. Um, the the Lord Jesus also um, sowed seed on stony ground with mm. stony hearts, and the Lord Jesus wept over the unbelief of Israel, Amen. and the Lord Jesus uh, persevered. In faithfulness to his father, uh, he was pleasing to his father, and that's really all that mattered. Uh, the, the 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 opponents and their accusations and their lies were frustrating. It, it w- he was beset on every side by these by these critics and by disappointment. I mean, you, you, well, I can't think of a single human 
emotion or response that the Lord Jesus didn't also experience, right? He was tempted in every way we are, yet Amen. without sin. So did, did Jesus have disappointment? Did Jesus have, um, did Jesus serve under leaders who were liars and manipulators and bloodthirst? Absolutely. I mean, <laughs> the, the, it, it was the same for him. And yet, what, what motivates him? It's, Obeying the Father—that's that's, that's yes. all there is to it. That that my I at the end of the day, I really don't care what anybody thinks about me or how anybody approves of me, so long as I am pleasing to God. That's what Paul says in First Corinthians five, right? He says that we, we make it our aim to be well pleasing to Him. That is the aim of our lives, and so as long as I'm pleasing to the Father, I'm really encouraged. Um, it's actually Second Corinthians five. Um, I, it's uh, um, but that's where um, that's where I draw my strength and my encouragement. That's beautiful. Is, uh, in, in obedience to to my Father in heaven. Amen. Well, our guest today has been the Reverend Dwayne Garner. He pastors Christ Church in Cary, North Carolina. And Pastor Dwayne, if a listener wanted to uh, check your website out or send you a note, is there a way for them to do that? Sure. Uh, it's our website is www.christchurchnc.com, and on there there's contact form and uh, some links to some other resources. And you you spell the word church with K I R K on your website, right? Yes, yeah, so we we have both domains. So okay. if you if you want to be super Scottish about it, if you want to be a good Scottish uh, Presbyterian, you can put Christ Kirk. NC, uh, but also if you go to Christ Church NC, you also get Both there. of them work. <laughs> they do. All right. Well, Brother Dwayne, I want to thank you so much for coming on our program today and talking about the book of Matthew. And uh, may God bless you in your future ministry, and may God bless the people that attend Christ Kirk, <laughs> North Carolina. Thank you for joining us. Thank you so much. And dear listener, please join us next week for another edition of A Plain Answer.